Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up Podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces. I have a question for you all. I'm interested, not for any reason in particular. I'm just a curious cat. Curious cat? Isn't What's that? Oh, curiosity. Curiosity killed the cat. Was a Is that an old saying or a, um, a fable? or a story. I don't know. I just remember there was a little song that, again, welcome to the inner workings of my brain, but there was a song that it was something about the cat, but the cat came back the very next day. Should have been a goner, but the cat came back. He just couldn't stay away. I have no idea what that's from. And I've somehow tied it to the saying, curiosity killed the cat. So... Anyway, back to me being a curious cat. I just want to know uh, when and how you listen to these podcasts or if you're watching on YouTube, um, when do you watch these podcasts? If, is it on the trainer? Uh, if you're just listening to the audio and not watching the YouTube channel, which the majority of people do that. Uh, again, we've just decided to add it to our YouTube channel so that we can add closed captions so the he- hearing impaired community can uh, um, enjoy our content as well. But so back to it, what, when and how, uh, what time of the week are you listening to these podcasts? I'm just super curious. Um, not that it's going to change anything that we do. I'm just, I'm just curious here in Australia. Uh, we typically launch each episode, uh, Friday morning. So that's sort of Thursday afternoon, evening in the States. Um, and oh no, Thursday afternoon. And then yeah, that's very late Thursday, sort of um, Europe, UK. So do you listen to podcasts straight away as soon as a new one pops up? I know some of my favorite podcasts. I know exactly when they are going live and uh, I know exactly, you know, Mondays and Wednesdays, one of my favorite podcasts comes out with two episodes a week. So I know exactly what I'm listening to that night before I go to bed. Uh, so anyway, that's all. That's all I've got to say. Um, for nothing really to say, that's a good two minutes of me umming and ahhing and coming up with some b- nonsense for you all to listen to. Uh, now, moving away from nonsense, it's time to chat to uh, New Zealand athlete, born in the UK, but lives and has lived in New Zealand for quite some time. Her name is Sophie Corbidge, not Cobridge. We'll dis- We'll discuss that. Uh, and she's a bit of a breath of fresh air, in my opinion. Uh, so enjoy my chat with Sophie Corbidge, or if you're not in the triathlon community, it's Sophie Gwyn. Cheers. Wait a second. Back the truck up. Shut the front door. Hold the phone, folks. Which you probably there's a good. I mean, there's a good chance you're holding a phone right now. Uh, but I do mean figuratively. I, after all the ramble, that is and was my introduction, I edited the entire podcast, went through the entire thing, was ready to hit publish, and then realized that I did actually have something of importance, of value to add into my introduction. Uh, So now I'm doing that retrospectively. Uh, So next week uh, is our 100th episode for the Wits Up podcast. So we are inviting back our original 
our number one guest, who was Marinda Rini Carfrey. We've asked her to come back so she can be our special guest for the 100th episode. Come and celebrate with us. If you've got any questions that we can fire across to Rini, that'd be great. We haven't actually had uh, that much of an opportunity to catch up with her since she became a mother of two kids. So I'm super keen to just find out how she's doing. Uh, You know, obviously on social media, it looks like she's kicking up her training program again. Um, So we thought it was a great opportunity to catch up with the champion, multiple champion, Marinda Rini Carfrey. So we'll see you next week. But listen to this episode first, obviously. Okay, bye. Welcome to the podcast. Now, I have a confession. <laughs> I have been calling you Sophie Cobridge for years. That is a crime. <laughs> it is. It's terrible because it's something that I I may not always get it right because maybe my pronunciation or enunciation isn't always great, but I'll always attempt to get it right. But that's a very clear, very clearly wrong. <laughs> and I only realized this this morning when I was double checking your Instagram that it is in fact Corbidge. Corbidge, yes. But it's also, there's a whole new element thrown in there too because I just got married. <laughs> so I'm Sophie Corbidge when I race, but I'm Sophie Gwen when I teach. So I have like two personalities now. <laughs> wow. Is it amazing or is it hard to keep up with two personalities? It's really hard. Um, especially when someone calls me Mrs. I have to take a like, what? You just call me Mrs. I was like, I am now, but I'm still Sophie Corbidge when I race. That's interesting. So at school, do the students call you Mrs. Gwen? Mrs. Wynn, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Because, yeah, you've got the fact that it's – someone's calling you like everyone would just normally call you Soph, right? But now you're yeah. in the world of people need to, I was going to say people need to respect you. They would have respected <laughs> you. <laughs> well, even like the, the kids who know me as an athlete, mm. they call me Sophie and I'm like, you, you can't, sorry. You can't call me that now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. um, are you teaching today? I have been teaching today. That's why I'm wearing this. I, was gonna... I don't just rock around in this all the time. It's very teacher top. <laughs> I was going to say, you look like a teacher. You yeah. absolutely look like a teacher. <laughs> You're nailing you know, it. I've just come from school, um, having my lunch break. I, well, thank you for squeezing us in on your lunch break as well. I appreciate it. No worries. Busier the better. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I actually recorded an episode last week. I was filming at some insurance offices, like just so left field of what I normally do and I had a two-hour break and I was like I'm using this office as a podcasting yeah. studio so I'm like <laughs> I took all my stuff in and anyway we do what we're going to do exactly um now you've already touched on a couple of things that I was going to start start with 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 our chat uh you've had a busy in a world where the world kind of stood still for at you know at least a year you've actually been really busy doing lots, achieving lots, doing new things, married, <laughs> married. That's not a plural thing. You got married. <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, let's, let's start with congratulations on your recent nuptials. How long have you been a missus for? Thank you. Um, we got married on the 13th of February. So right. a few months now. Yeah. Ooh, 13th around Valentine's Day. Yes, it was the day before and George was super embarrassed about it because he's like, oh, that's so cringe. And originally when we chose the date, I actually genuinely hand on heart didn't realise. I was like, well, that's convenient because now you won't forget. (laughs) So we got married 15th of February. Yeah. Yeah. And 
it was purely because it was a, a weekend that would fit into the timeline. And I, I was so thankful that it didn't actually land on the 14th. Yeah. I, I think I would have had to have postponed for months if it landed on the 14th. But it sounds Just like the you cringe guys factor. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's going to be easier though for Brett to remember our wedding anniversary because it's the day after. After so at least- he gets a warning. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's oh, funny. Wow. But no, it was such a cool day. And yeah. um, Ryan Sissons is a good friend of ours and he emceed our wedding for us. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And we had like all the triathletes there and it was just, it was a really, really cool day. Oh, nice one. And did you have to postpone it at all due to the pandemic or it pretty so, much ran? Yeah, luckily we didn't. Um, we kind of planned, so we got engaged in 2019 and we kind of planned to do it in 2021 anyway. The only problem is that I'm originally from the UK. Um, so the only family I had there were my parents and my sister because yeah. everyone else was stuck on the other side of the world. Um, but we had that conversation and said, you know, we don't know when it's going to be properly opened up. Um, uh, we live streamed it. So my friends luckily live streamed um, the whole thing so my family could watch at home and awesome. we got a wedding video done so they could feel like they were part of it. Um, and it was actually, I think, mo- more emotional for my my parents, um, not really knowing many people at our wedding. Yeah. Um, but we had so many close, um, you know, friends and family that were well, fa- family that we consider um, friends that we consider family. That it was like it was still still special to us, regardless. And we were really stoked that we went ahead with it. Oh, nice one. It, you're still smiling and dare I say it, you're still glowing from the <laughs> wedding bliss. <laughs> it was a really cool day. <laughs> Oh, that's good. It's kind of, it's a bit cliched, isn't it? I say it as well. Our wedding day was the best day. It just being surrounded by, uh, and like you say, not everyone could obviously make it to yours. Not everyone, not everyone in your family, but those who made it, I imagine it's, if you look at it as truly a celebration, um, that's how we did it. And I had a ball at ours. Yeah. I think everyone was just laughing and smiling the whole day. It was awesome. And yeah. now I have like a million photos that I put in frames just to see how many I can get away with hanging up. Wait, <laughs> have you already printed them? Up. Yeah, I've printed them. I've got the album printed. I've done so much and I've got, I've yeah, I just want to see how many he'll let me put on the walls. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are a teacher. You are an or- <laughs> organizer. I get it organized. <laughs> oh my goodness. It took me years to print out ours and I still have it. I think I've... I think we've only got one printed. <laughs> no, <Steph. laughs> it's so weird. It's so, uh, I don't know. I think we take for granted that everything's digital, right? So yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. So you, you, you're an organizer. I am very much love a plan. That's why COVID hit me hard. <laughs> I was like, right. Okay. This is, you know, unprecedented times. I'm not good with that. Um, let's try and get as many things done as I can um, that I could control. And that's kind of what I did. Yeah. Is that something that you actually have recognized in yourself in in the past? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like have to have plans. Um, Even George said in my wedding speech, like it's going to be a weird few years without knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, without a plan, you know, you're not very good. You love a plan. (laughs) I said, my family's the same, Um, always have been. And I think that's why teaching was kind of came naturally to me. but yeah, I'm, I haven't necessarily been great in the past with not knowing what's happening. Um, so I've, I've actually been quite proud of how I have dealt with this year because it could have been a nightmare. Yeah, a new skill. Yeah. Yeah, right. How did you two meet? 
Um, we met through friends. So he, George, George used to do triathlon, like age group triathlon, um, just as like a hobby. He's and a pretty met, handy triathlete, right? Did yeah, he do he's, sub he, nine in New yeah, Zealand? His first Ironman, he went sub nine hours and that was like a big goal for him. Um, and he was, he said from the start, he's like one and done. I just one, get it done well while I can. Um, Cause he wasn't a fan of coming back when he was, you know, in his forties or fifties and doing it. He wanted to do it well when he knew he could do it really, really well. I said, that's fine. You go for it. And he smashed it out. Um, and I think, cause he had started from, you know, not really very much. Like he started swimming when he was 20. Um, I don't think he really got the confidence still until he started training with us a bit more um, to see how far he could actually go with it. Yeah. Right. So friends introduced you. Yeah. Then at a Halloween party. <laughs> What were you dressed as? I think I was a cowboy and I don't even think he was dressed up. I honestly don't remember meeting him. <laughs> he told me that was where we met. Oh, did we? <laughs> First impressions last. Brilliant. Yeah. And then we joked that he had six long months in the friend zone. Um, that was actually when I was coming back <clears throat> from my, I had like chronic fatigue um, and took a while out of the sport. And at the start of our relationship was when he kind of came into my life and I was doing like 30 minute swims or 20 minute jogs or like really small things to try and get back into triathlon. And every time he'd put his hand up and be like, I'll come, I'll come. What are you doing tomorrow? I'll come. <laughs> I was like, okay, you can come if you want. This is 20 minutes, but it's fine. Um, and that's kind of how our relationship started. It was just more of like a, a close friend and then training partner. And then I kind of realized that he's the one that I wanted to talk to all the time. Um, oh. And it just naturally kind of progressed from there. It was a slow burn. <laughs> So, okay, so that's the way you thought it was going. Yes. He, was he thinking, no, no, I'm keen and I'm just going to keep playing the long game? I think so. <laughs> that's what all his friends said. <laughs> uh, you sound like me, just completely oblivious to what's yeah. actually happening. And you're just like, all right, this guy, yeah, cool, we're just hanging. All right. Yeah, you want to come for a little ride with me? It's fine. <laughs> He's training for a full distance um full distance triathlon but sure I'll do 20 yeah. minutes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Swims with you. laughs> oh goodness um oh okay well you mentioned chronic fatigue and I yeah. feel like that's a direction I, d- I definitely like to talk to you a bit a bit more about uh and this is the moment that I apologize publicly because we have actually spoken about this via email quite a few years ago and I feel like it was when I maybe spoke about it on Wits Up that I was going through something along those kind of lines is that when we first started having a bit of a chat yeah I think it was around four or five years ago yeah yeah that sounds about right um do, do you mind filling us in on, on on how that happened and um like I imagine as an elite uh an elite athlete wrecking eventually recognizing that and then trying to get back into a sport where you're so used to, um, for want of a better term, punishing your body to, to achieve results. Uh, and I say for want of a better term, but I feel like that is a mentality that we have. So I do want a better term, but I also want a better approach to the way that we, we do things as triathletes. So Anyway, back back to you. Um, when did you start recognizing that something wasn't quite right? I feel like with a lot of people with a similar story, it's not. There wasn't one point. Mm-hmm. I think because it's something that kind of starts as a tiny little ball and it just rolls and rolls and snowballs into this like really serious issue. I wouldn't have thought that there was like a certain time that I thought something was wrong. 
other than maybe the fact that I tried to dive in the pool one day and I couldn't even swim one length. Um, but it had started way before that. Sure. And I think it had honestly been happening probably over three or four years. Um, I never used to have issues with energy. I used to be up and obviously I get tired from training like every athlete does, but it just got to the point where I like didn't want to get out of bed really. Even going to the supermarket seemed like a massive big deal. Um, and I just thought, okay, this can't be right. Um, I had issues with my weight and my metabolism and everything started changing. Um, and I hadn't really changed anything other than I felt really, really bad. Yeah. And Sorry, I just think, issues with your yeah. weight. Do you mean uh, you couldn't drop weight if that was a goal? Yeah, or you, I, yeah. Would, I was putting on weight, but I wasn't changing anything. Like I wasn't overeating. And like you kind of had, I had so many comments of people saying like, you know, you're eating too much or like talking behind my back. And I was like, you don't know me. (laughs) Yeah. I had so many comments of people, yeah, kind of within the community or within the coaching kind of arena going like, what's going on? You know, you need to watch your body like shape and weight. And I was like sitting there going, you don't understand. Like I'm not doing anything. Um, And I think that was one of the major problems that I had with my fatigue. Um, That was a really key factor. So when you say there were people, I guess, in the industry, fair to say, that were talking about you um, and I don't know if accusing is the right word, but um, uh, jumping to conclusions, I should say, that you're eating yeah. too much. Yeah. Did you, sorry, how old were you at this stage? Um, gosh, so this was, oh, it would have started when I was probably early 20s. So I had issues right. all the way back when I was maybe 16, 17, that's when I started to have these issues, but I didn't recognize them or understand them until I was a lot older. Mm -hmm. So I probably had it throughout my whole junior under 23 career, but didn't Mm -hmm. really recognize it till I was older. Mm -hmm. And because I know that the sport has changed so much from those times um, for the better, like we used to have in the squad, all our body weights and BMIs written on the wall. And it was on this oh. massive white whiteboard wall. Everyone's weights and body fat percentages and all this information about you was just there for everyone to see. And like that's just such a confronting, horrendous thing. Wow. And I didn't think anything of it because it's just so normal. Yeah. And now we look at our squad and there's a massive, like, you know, uh, focus on well-being and positive weight, you know, body image and the fact that it's more of a performance focus than a what you look like focus, that I you realize how bad it used to be. I used to get weight all the time, skin folds all the time. And you just think that's so different to what it's like now. And thank goodness that that happened because the last year, I'd say probably over the last 10 years, it got to a point where it was so bad. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that things have changed. Um, Massively. Yeah. I still think globally things need to change a heck of a lot still, but it's nice. I'd agree with that. that, Yeah. That there's changes being made. Um, where, where you are but back to when people were saying that you're eating too much and you're putting on weight and and so, so on D- did you did you feel comfortable responding to those allegations no. or did, yeah, I'm not you a just, confrontational person that doesn't surprise you kinda, me <laughs> you kind of just let it go and you just think you don't know and also because I didn't really understand so it's like am I like is this my fault why is this happening um and I just think, yeah, when people are looking from the outside, they don't understand the bigger picture and realize that actually this is, could be a medical issue um, mm. and not just a she's eating too much ice cream. Because mm. I was like, would have been the first person to say, I do not eat badly. <laughs> like, mm. you know, and 
now the way I eat is so much more relaxed and I don't have to worry about it ever because yeah. my body has now got to us. It's taken eight years, but I've now oh. been able to fix all those problems that I dealt with as a junior under 23 that I didn't even realize were problems. Yeah. And it's only now that I'm like, this is what normal's like. I don't have to calorie count. I don't have to keep a diary. I can just eat what I want and feel mm. good. Mm. It's like, yeah, I don't think until you get to the other end, you realize how bad it actually was in it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess now not only emotionally, but physically your body, your body metabolizes food better now because it's, Way better. it's doing what it it's supposed to do. Like yeah. It's, it's never been starved. It's never yeah. been, it's not overtrained. It like, I have full confidence that my body is settled and it's happy and I can deal with whatever, you know, comes at me. Whereas I used to be a wreck. I used to mm. stress so much about traveling because I was like, I don't know what's in this food. I don't know where I can access food I can eat, you know? And I had intolerances and all the stuff that I'd just, my body wasn't working properly. Like I became extremely intolerant to dairy, to gluten. I had to have such a restricted diet because my body was just not happy. And now wow. I can eat whatever I want. It's taken a long time. It's no like, yeah, eight way. years. Yeah. And that's obviously all that was to do with my menstrual cycle too. So my period stopped. Um, or they'd be super, super irregular. And for the past probably four years on the day, every month, bam, bam, bam. And that's like, I know my body's working properly now. Far out. The uh, menstrual cycle is such a, um, a sign, a, yeah. Yeah. That, and we just don't, um, and I, you know, the greater we, including me, I don't look at it enough to help me figure out you know what's happening with the rest of my body but it's such a magnificent tool for that oh it's amazing and even (laughs) I did my first well not my first my second ever half marathon on the weekend on Sunday two days ago oh second ever second ever one wow and I got my period on the morning and my first reaction was oh why why could it not have waited this is a nightmare oh my goodness what's happening and I had one of the best runs I've ever had. And I was like, okay, well, it's clearly a good thing. <laughs> I should be embracing it a bit more. Like, it's inconvenient. It is. But it just yeah shows how my body's functioning. And I think if you can kind of get in line with how it actually can assist you and help you, I mm-hmm. think that's a really, really, really cool thing. Yeah. And have, um, have you had help or do you have help still with trying to, yeah. So, so who do you go to? My coach, my coach, um, he's really science-based. Um, he loves research facts and figures. He likes to delve into the deep, dark and, you know, mysterious world of stats and things like that. Um, and he finds the whole female, um, yeah, menstrual cycle really interesting for training. And so I was working with him and Stacey Sims, Mm -hmm a few years ago to try and suss actually when are the best times to be targeting hard training blocks and when's the times to you know maybe go back to aerobic calm it down a bit and how can we use it to actually and she was one of the first people that said to me actually you'll go really well on your period you might feel rubbish but that's when you're I think she describes it that's when your body is most like a male um in terms of your hormones Mm -hmm. and she said you actually can actually get really good gains from being on your period when you race and I was like okay well that's a different way of thinking about it Mm. Um, and since I've kind of harnessed that and David's got an understanding of it, really helped my training and yeah. to, or just to understand, like, if you're not having a good day, why? And you think, okay, well, I'm in this phase. Um, and then maybe the week after your period, okay, this is the time we can really hammer the intensity and go for it. And genuinely it has helped me. Yeah. 
Wow. And for anyone who hasn't listened, watched, read anything from Dr. Stacey Sims, you need to Um, just just jump on Instagram and follow her. Um, I assume most people who listen to this podcast probably do already follow her. But if, if you don't and you're listening right now, I will leave a link in the description of this episode because she, um, I think it's fair to say she is an absolute leader in this space, not just in triathlon, but in sport and particularly endurance sport across the globe. Um, and it's really nice to hear firsthand experience by an elite athlete as well. Um, working with her and the importance of knowing your body. And yeah, I think it's, it's something that you can really harness from something that is kind of perceived to be negative or perceived mm-hmm. to hold you back. Mm-hmm. If you think of it a different way, it can honestly really transform the way that you train a race. Yeah, definitely. I love that your coach is a guy as well. And yeah, you obviously feel com- very comfortable talking to him about these kind of things because let's face it society has always sort of said that it's, it's icky we shouldn't be talking about it um that's definitely changing absolutely um used to be in the too much info basket mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah uh but yeah you, you obviously feel very comfortable with him which is great yeah he's awesome and obviously he's has a wife and two girls um and I don't know if that helps um, his girls obviously young they were my flower girls actually um, yeah. but I think even for him raising two girls I think that's going to be a really crucial part of you know raising young women in this this day um, being able to talk about these things and we're going to use them to your advantage or benefit as opposed to being ashamed and kind of hiding away from it yeah absolutely uh, I want to go back to and we won't we won't stay on this the whole time because we've got plenty of other things to talk about as well <laughs> but uh, obviously there was a, um, the emotional toll and the, and the physical toll on your body, um, back in the early twenties, when things really started to, to go wrong, other than trying to find answers and figure out what happened, how was your headspace in terms of getting back into a sport that, and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm saying this, not, not quite the right way, but a sport that kind of almost destroyed you. That's fair. Um, <laughs> and like, I genuinely don't blame anyone. Um, yeah. It's never been about blaming for me. I also don't blame myself because at the time, you know, people are just using the knowledge or information they have that they believe is right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I look back at my training now, and since I had my new coach realizing the way that I had been training would be very much um, go really, really hard, really fast peak get to a point where I break, drop and do repeat that process again, drop back it down again. Mm. And I just had dug myself into such a massive hole that trying to climb out of it every time was harder and harder and harder. And every injury was the same. So I get an injury. I had stress fracture in my sacrum. Don't know why Mm. that happened, honestly. Um, But coming out back from that, it got harder and harder and harder. And I just think, how is it getting to this point? Like I love my sport. I love triathlon, but currently I'm just feeling like it's breaking me or I'm breaking down um, from not even doing anything more than I thought I was capable of, you know? Yeah. Um, And so I had many times where I was like, this is it. I can't do any more. I need to stop. Like this clearly isn't for me. And then it was actually George, my husband and my coach, David, who got together because they knew each other and just said like, we really believe in you. And we think that you can take this a long way, but you need to step right back and trust us and start from the beginning. And so when I started working with David, it was, yeah, it must've been four or five years ago. 
um, maybe four years ago, um, he said, it's going to be slow and it's going to be frustrating, but you have to believe in me. <laughs> and yeah. at that point, I was like, I do <laughs> because I need, I clearly need help and this might be my last chance. Um, and so I started working with him and we really, really gradually started building everything back up. Um, I was doing very little training initially and then progressively increasing over time and spent almost two years. I think I didn't even do any speed work. Um, wow. just trying to build my engine and get my body settled. And as soon as I started to ramp up the intensity, I'd have an easier week and just like really, really gradually building up. So I didn't have these big peaks and big drops. And since I've worked with him, touch wood, I haven't had one injury. Wow. Far <laughs> um, out. Yeah. The only issue I've had, which I've had my whole life, I have, um, I get anemic, so I get really, really low iron. Yeah. Um, but even that recently, the last year or so has improved so much. Um, and I think that's just because my body is functioning way better. Mm. And that's the only issue I've had since being with David. Wow. That's amazing. Mm. And incredible for you to have complete faith in the, in the, in the process, because I imagine that's really hard. It, no matter how much you've learned from the past, not seeing immediate results is yeah. um, from a professional or elite triathlete's point of view or anyone, but particularly elite, I imagine is very, very hard. Yeah. Well, you have these benchmarks right that you know you can do it's like I know I can run fast why can't mm. I run fast now why am I not doing any training to be able to run fast and the whole time David's like I have a plan it's like almost like a four to six year plan and then there's me going yeah but I want to be good now he's like Sophie yeah you really need to tone it down um just take your time and now I got to a point where I've had such good consistent block of training that now I have that base behind me whereas before yeah. I wouldn't have had even six months of base before I got injured again. So every time yeah. I got injured, it was way harder to come back. Whereas now I can have a few days off or I can have a week or so off or whatever. And it doesn't take me that long to come back because <laughs> my yeah. base is so big. Yeah. And him trying to explain this to me at the start was really, really hard <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, yeah, but I want it now. Um, but seeing it from this perspective as a 29 year old, I'm, I couldn't thank him and George and my family and support who were kind of around me through all those hard times. Yeah. Um, enough for what, what kind of what's happened to me now. Yeah. It's very similar to me trying to explain to my toddler, Frankie, that she can't have something <laughs> right now, but if she waits <laughs> for the long game, she can have it tomorrow. It's the yeah. same, same, right? <laughs> it is the same, <laughs> just on a different scale. <laughs> Please excuse this very brief interruption. I'm just here to say, if you are not already a Wits Up Patreon member, please consider signing up. It really helps us out and supports Wits Up to continue to bring you powerful narratives of women in sport. Just click the link in the description below uh, or just simply go to patreon.com slash Wits Up. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wits Up. And I assume you know how to spell Wits Up. Uh, okay, back to the podcast. You've obviously you're 29 now, and I guess in the over any period of time, we're always growing and learning. But you've obviously learned a lot about yourself as an athlete. Do you feel like you've grown a lot as an individual as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's was also a key thing that when I did have those times of like feeling useless and I couldn't train, that my identity was just purely this triathlete, and that was the hardest part. It's like yeah, but I'm Sophie the triathlete. It's like, hang on a minute. I'm actually a lot more than that. And I have a lot more to offer. Um, and understanding that being a triathlete is a massive, massive part of my life, but it's not everything. Mm. And that has then in turn helped my sport in a way. Wow. Because yeah. I guess it kind of 
it takes the internal pressure of you being like, this is who I am. I have to do really, really well. Mm. And that horrible pressure you put on yourself. Whereas if you're just like, I'm here to have fun. I love triathlon. I love what I'm doing. You go better. Yeah. <laughs> well, I found that I have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, to be, yeah. I, I mean, I speak about this quite a bit on this podcast and I don't think I've found one, one athlete who disagrees with you. Uh, it's, it's a growing a learning process. Um, and particularly, I guess, in, in endurance sport, and I know that you're more short course, but still it's, it's endurance, um, yeah. you know, in, it, by, in theory, that's what it is. Um, and I feel like that's what allows you to get better as an athlete, particularly women. Uh, you're 29, but there's still so many years ahead in yeah. this sport. And I feel that that's exciting. That is exciting. And it's like, yeah. I am so for the triathlete, but I'm also so for the teacher, so for the wife, so for the daughter. Like I like doing things like I like public speaking. I go and talk oh. to um, other tri groups or younger kids, or I'm emceeing at a um, triathlon sports awards this weekend. Like I love all that other stuff too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just as important to me as triathlon. And I think that's been a massive shift for me because especially when I left school, like I have triathlete on the back of my leavers jersey. <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, like, why did I do that? Because that's just what I thought I was. And I was like, no, Sophie, there's a lot more to you than this. Um, and even through uni, I think um, the first, my undergrad, my degree in English and media, I was very much um, part-time. Triathlon was my life. And then it wasn't until I started doing my teaching course, which was still part-time, but I, I also really, really appreciated or really, that meant a lot to me too. And I was like, there is more the triathlon and that doesn't take away the fact of how important triathlon is, but it's more of like a balancing thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. it's like, yes, I am a triathlete, but I'm also at these other things and these other things can help me be a better triathlete and yep. being a triathlete can make me be a better teacher, you know, mm-hmm. like it's all about, yeah, shifting it around and not placing priority on one thing, I think. Good for you. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's taken a while to get to that point. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, today, what's your relationship with triathlon? Um, I'm actually having a little bit of a downtime from triathlon. Um, I'm running at the moment. Just for the last few weeks, I'm kind of coming into winter. Um, my goals are kind of changing and I'm actually at a, quite an exciting time for me because I am at a point where I can choose my next challenges. And like I did that half marathon on the weekend and I really enjoyed it. And I was like, this is something new and different for me. I don't normally like long stuff. <laughs> um, but I did that and I thought, well, that could be quite cool over winter. Um, kind of knuckling down with my running and seeing how far I can take that. And that will then put me in good stead leaning into the next summer try season. Nice one. I like hearing that. Trying trying new things and realizing that there's there's so much more out there to be able to do. That's great. Yeah, it is cool. And I because I started as a runner. Um, yeah. When I was younger, uh, primary school even, <laughs> and then um, heading into secondary school, I did athletics. I was 850 meter, um, 1500 meter runner, and that's kind of where I naturally sat. But I'd always yeah. swum, and I loved cycling. <laughs> so that was like a natural progression. Um, but to kind of be at a point where I think, okay, well, what other options are there? There's plenty. Um, Mm. Where where do I want to focus right now? And with the um, issues with travel and things at the moment, I feel like running is a really good option for me to stay in Cambridge, um, to train here through winter, do some really cool running races. Mm. There's some like fun ones that you can do with your dog, even that George wants to take Pepper on. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. And just kind of have some times to aim for and try and see how fast I can get. 
oh my gosh, I want to do a dog running race, but my dog, well, he's getting it <laughs> old. It sounds really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah like it would be. Something paws and, I don't know, some, it's something punny. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, we really take the dog. It's something about running through mud or something like that. So that would be really cool. Excellent. And then you're looking, <laughs> I mean, there's there's uh, records across the world of, I'm sure there's records with, with dogs, running with dogs, but there's definitely records <laughs> like, um, uh pushing strollers things like that there's different oh, records really? across the globe yeah 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 i'm not quite so. ready for that stuff <laughs> <laughs> don't give george any ideas <laughs> <laughs> oh is he is he pushing for it over yeah. you yeah oh wow <laughs> that george, was one of the questions here. at our wedding um we played the shoe game and yeah like where you hold up um, he holds one of my shoes and I hold one of his shoes. We each hold one of our shoes and you have to put the shoe of the person up who's the answer to the question. Oh, okay. It's so like, it on, like, yeah, Ellen, who does like, the most housework? Yeah. I put my shoe up. <laughs> Got it. And then the question was, um, who wants to have a baby first? And we both straight away, Georgia's shoe was in the air. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Is he a bit older than you? <laughs> no, he's younger. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's, oh, he's awesome. 28 so it's, it's like 15 months between us yeah. oh funny <laughs> the older woman good for you <laughs> yeah I'm a cougar <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh oh kids oh you've got plenty of time I, I know that's why I keep telling them <laughs> plenty of time you've still got you still got growing to do for you of yourself so I know I've got lots of triathlon to do too <laughs> exactly stand down George just back off <laughs> um you, you mentioned public speaking and doing some bits and pieces and recently you did some commentary at Ironman New Zealand. Yes, I did. That, that was, that was really your cool. first time, right? It was my first time. And they they kind of asked me or Cam asked me, uh, he's like, would you be interested? And I, because I, I, it was after he interviewed me at the Tin Man Triathlon and I cried of all things. He, he said, I'd be really good. <laughs> I was like, really? Because I'm pretty sure I just cried. <laughs> Um, and he said, you yeah, know, I would like you to come and be part of the team. And then I said, okay, that sounds really cool. And it was me and obviously the three, um, Mark, Brian and Cam, who are obviously all middle-aged men. So they wanted a little bit of diversity in the team, <laughs> but it was awesome. We just had a lot of banter and like, I've never done Ironman, um, but like George has, and my coach, David, he is an Ironman kind of coach too. Yeah. Um, so I took a bit of in, inspo from them. Um, to try and know what I was talking about and because I know a lot of the athletes who are racing too yeah Kyle yeah. he like lives he used to live with me. he used to be my flatmate and um, so that was quite cool having a bit of inside knowledge of people and yeah. it was really really fun I loved it awesome but that's what you want from some commentary um you don't necessarily need to know all the ins and outs of long distance racing people want to, the flavor the about the people that's what people yeah. want to hear the it's others the, can do all yeah. the other stuff that's fine <laughs> Yeah, all the, the juicy stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, they're such a good crew. I'm such a big fan of Cam's. Um, he's such a good man. And, uh, yeah, the whole New Zealand crew is so awesome. Yeah, and they looked after me. It was awesome. Except I did hear some, I heard some playback, and I was getting so excited when people were finishing. I was like, who is this squawking on the microphone? <laughs> oh, it's me. I'm squawking on the microphone. Oh, goodness. <laughs> but it was really cool. I got super into it. <laughs> oh, far out. I, I mean, I still do the same. If I'm commentating at a live event at a finishing line, I'm trying to pump people up. I forget that the microphone the microphone's does right the there. job. Yeah, you don't, you don't actually need to yell. But how are you supposed to? 
you can't, you can't dial down excitement. Like it's exactly. Just, you can't no. sound excited with a quiet voice <laughs> <laughs> because obviously um, Mike Riley wasn't there. I said to Cam, I was like, am I allowed to say you're an Iron Man? He's like, yeah, we're all going to say it. <laughs> so I, I, I had two, two of our close friends um, finished the, they did the Ironman and they were actually our groomsmen or George's groomsmen. And I got to call them across the line, which was really, really cool. And they were pretty stoked too that I got to say, yeah, Max, you are an Ironman. <laughs> that is cool. That is very yeah. cool. I like it. Um, hey, so, and we've already sort of touched on this as well. And the the top that you're wearing is a dead giveaway that you're a teacher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just for those listening, um, it's, would we say it's like a florally kind of top? Yeah, it's. Very floral, very wavy, very primary school teacher esque. <laughs> okay, so that that answers my question. What kind of teacher are yeah, so you? I am I am primary trained, but in yep. New Zealand as a primary teacher, you can teach older. And mm. at a moment, I'm at the school St Peter's where I did my last placement. And at the moment, I'm actually really even all years. So not only year seven and eight, but all the way up to year thirteen. Um, today I was in a year thirteen dance class. <laughs> Which I looked at and had to laugh because I'm not a dancer. But luckily, they knew exactly what they were doing. <laughs> so sometimes it's quite fun. <laughs> oh, God. Get thrown into random subjects like Japanese. I can't really speak much Japanese. <laughs> how, do you, how do you teach Japanese if you don't know it? Do you just um, say, here's so luckily, the book? The, yeah, the, the teachers obviously plan the lessons if they're not going to be there. Um, and I get a little run sheet ex- no, to know what to expect before I go. So yeah. I kind of get the explanation. So if I have to read things out from a book or I can go around helping, I'll know what I'm doing before I get there. Yeah. Right. So it's you're quite fun. in Australia, you're called a relief teacher. What's it called? Yeah, in? Is yeah it I'm a relief there? teacher. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And but just what, for one school. Okay. Right. And does that sort of satisfy your teaching urge at the moment? Just doing yes, it for now while I can still, I have the flexibility to teach. And, I, and the flexibility to train and kind of get all my ducks in a row. It's really like a really cool relationship I have with the school. Um, yeah. And it's something that works for us both at the moment. Awesome. So obviously organizational skills was one of the reasons that drew you towards being a, a teacher. Although yeah. I'd also argue that a lot of the teachers that I had at school weren't that organized. But anyway, <laughs> um, what did draw you towards that kind of uh, profession outside of being an elite triathlete? Um, I think one of the key differences is like, I feel like sport is quite a selfish thing, just in its nature. You kind of yeah. have to be selfish in terms of your own training, putting yourself first a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something which I'm fine with in that context, but I also like helping people. I like relating to people. Um when I was a little kid at school, even people would kind of confide in me and tell me things that they wouldn't have told anyone else because they trusted me. Um, and that was kind of at a point where I thought, okay, well, maybe this is something that could be good for me. You know, um, I quite like relating to people or listening to how I can help people and changing the way you're teaching to help individuals is I find really satisfying. So you often get children with the same ability, but the way they do things is completely different. And I find that super interesting. Like you give them a maths question, they'll both do it completely different ways. And I find that really interesting. So it's like the way that you can kind of get the most out of someone by learning how they learn. And that's what I like about teaching. Yeah. I really like that answer. It's cool. It's really, really cool. And I've been working with like a lot of the year seven and eights who I knew last year, I now go back and teach again. And, you know, I have the knowledge of how they learn so I can, help them with their work as I'm going around and be like, well, explain it to them in the way that they understand. 
And then they kind of have their little light bulb moment. You're like, oh, that's really satisfying. <laughs> wow. So imagine this is just by the way you're talking, this is definitely something that when triathlon is done, th- this will be the direction that you take. Yeah. I can 100% hand on heart say that this is where I'll be going. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like it's, um, it's kind of where you're meant to be as well. Yeah, in terms I feel of that, like yeah, it's it sounds like it. I'm not yeah. sitting here listening, wishing <laughs> that I had I got to know you better earlier. You're <laughs> you're, you're awesome. <laughs> I start crying soon. I'm very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> when I talk to I talk to the kids in like group situations about yeah like my triathlon journey or just other things, and I just start welling up. And everyone's like, "What? Are you, why is this so? It's not even a sad story." I'm like, "I know. I just really care." <laughs> I'm like that 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 person in Mean Girls who's oh that that girl in Mean Girls that she says I just have a lot of feelings that's, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> I also rate you for uh, quoting Mean Girls, one of the greatest <laughs> movies of our time. One of the best. <laughs> yep, definitely. Tina Fey. Um, do you know who I? Who, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm impressed. Most short distance athletes who I speak to have. No idea what I'm talking about when it comes to TV and movie references. Um, so I'm I'm very impressed that you're all over that. <laughs> we have the same kind of genre, I think. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> you know, in every interview you ever hear, the, the question that people always ask is, "Who would you have to dinner?" Like that. That just is always yes. a question. <laughs> Tina Fey is my number one. She'd be good. She'd be interesting. Wouldn't she? Funny. <laughs> She's. She's, she's hilarious, but I just, she's a, um, a, a game changer in the world of, um, well, late night television in the U S but just television in the U S and, and Hollywood and, and all that. I just, um, have you read her book? No, I haven't actually. Mate, (laughs) you got to check it out. It's called Boss of Chance. Um, I is being very bossy telling you to do that now. <laughs> I listened to the audio book because I just, I, I hate saying it. I don't have time to read books. I should say I don't make time to read books yeah. <laughs> because the time that I spend away from this kind of stuff, I want to be hanging with Frankie, not reading a book. Yeah. So fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So it's a good excuse. Um, it is a good excuse. <laughs> But when it's an audio book, it's like they're talking directly to you and they're, they're your best friend. That's true. Hopefully, like, the people feel like we're, we're talking to you on here. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly the same and we're of the same calibre as uh, Tina Fey. It's <laughs> we true. can tell them. Periods are good. Yay, periods. Yay. Get enough sleep. Don't overtrain. <laughs> oh, my God, sleep. Sleep, overtrain and periods. Yep, that no. should be the title of your book. I actually invested in a weighted blanket help with my sleeping it is genuinely a life changer I love it wow so it's like they say you need to buy one that's um I think it's 10 to 15 percent of your body weight um I think our one is seven kilos and it's got like glass it's made of like glass beads inside and it's just like an automatic calming feeling oh my god I think yeah I think it's used a lot um with doctors with kids with autism just because it's a really calming feeling but I love it and it's genuinely helped my sleeping that is amazing yeah you know how like when you get a hug you feel calm it's the same idea I think it's like a grounding thing so like I put it on top of my um top sheet and then under my duvet and it just like you kind of get sucked in (laughs) you slide there 
and it's really comfortable. <laughs> Amazing. I'm just thinking yeah. one of my best mates is a terrible sleeper and I wonder if that will help him. It g- genuinely helped us. Interesting. I don't think it's placebo either. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it, it makes sense. I, yeah. I, I get it. I don't know if it's because he needs a hug, but (laughs) maybe he does. Who knows? Everyone needs a hug. That's true. Everybody, (laughs) absolutely everybody needs a hug. You're right. Um, Hey, let's jump back. So we're going to go backwards and forwards. We're talking, uh, well, we have been talking about you being a teacher. Let's flip that to what kind of student were you? Oh, no, don't go here. It's embarrassing. (laughs) Really? I oh, actually, I was such a teacher's pet. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I imagine that you were a pretty good student. Oh, yes. And I'm like still friends with all my teachers from primary school on Facebook. And Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I was 100% teacher's pet. Like couldn't have been more of one. <laughs> yeah. But then I didn't bring them a coffee or an apple or anything like that. I just think I got on with all my teachers. I never had a teacher I didn't get on with. Um, and I was also super scared of getting in trouble. So I literally just did whatever I was told I would do it. So your teacher's pet slash goody two shoes. Yeah. Massive one. (laughs) (laughs) My dad told the story at my wedding about one time where our teacher didn't show up and we had an assembly we had to go to because our teacher hasn't showed up, hadn't showed up. None of our class, like none of my class wanted to go. They're like, oh, well, no one's going to know. We'll just stay in here. And I was the only one from my class. (laughs) <laughs> I went to assembly and sat there on my own <laughs> and then that was I was the only reason they knew that the class weren't there <laughs> oh so everyone else got thro- thrown under the yeah. bus because <laughs> I was doing the right thing oh it's so embarrassing <laughs> how did your fellow students uh perceive you as the teacher's pet did you get so, I imagine to be you stood honest, along with them yeah, like I, I wasn't so much that I stood out as, you know, I wasn't a loner. Um, I still had a friend group and they just appreciated that's just who I was. Um, through all my schooling from primary school, um, I'm from the UK, so I had primary school and yeah. then a few years of um, high school in the UK and then I came here in year 10. Um, all my friends oh. just kind of accepted me as who I was and, yeah, <laughs> I was a teacher's pet without being the loser. <laughs> <laughs> I was, but people accepted that that's who I was. <laughs> but I also feel like, and granted, I don't know you super well, but I've, I was, this is going to sound a bit creepy, but I've watched <laughs> you at races, which <laughs> definitely sounds creepy. But one of my favorite things at races is see, standing back and seeing how athletes interact, um, particularly just outside of race day and with, with the um, uh, short course racing, when you do the swim for meals and all that kind of stuff, I really enjoy watching those and just seeing yeah. how people bounce off each other. And I feel like you're, I don't know, like you just like you're smiling and giggly now, but I, I, I feel like <laughs> that's you to everyone. Um, yeah, I think so. I'd like to think so. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's the impression I got is that everyone knows who you are and knows that you're the happy smiley friendly annoying <laughs> would we say annoying what makes you I say think annoying? I've been known to be annoying <laughs> oh in what respect who have no, you I annoyed just think, I just think I find things funny that no one else does <laughs> <laughs> so I'll just be having a ride or laugh and everyone's like what are you what that's not even funny <laughs> <laughs> Each to their own. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, the, the impression I got is 
you, you just you're happy doing your thing but just anyone who's around you you just love I don't know love a chat there's just yeah I like, I like interacting with people yeah yeah I like having a laugh I don't like it to be too serious even like mm-hmm. in the classroom obviously it's not just chaos but I prefer it to be relaxed and you know um I, f- I feel like I get even like, more respect if it's that way as well so like people will listen to me if I'm like this is this is who I am this is how I work um if you respect me I respect you I don't want to be angry at you. I don't want to confront you. I just want it to be peaceful and calm and we'll just get on and have a, have a good time and be productive. <laughs> yeah. And do you feel like that personality comes from your parents or from one yeah, side? This, I'd say my mom is right. re- very similar. Um, I definitely do have aspects of my dad too, um, personality-wise, but I'd say my mom is quite similar. She's she's a lot shorter than me, but she's got blonde curly hair, big smile. Um and I think people interact with us similarly. Yeah. What yeah. does she do? Um, my mum is a fitness instructor and yoga teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she has a little studio, um, lovely studio down um, where they live in Taupo. And she takes classes, um, lots of different types of yoga classes. She takes like a um, an older, like a chair yoga for the older people, um, men's yoga. She does bar classes, yeah, all sorts. She loves it chair yeah. yoga for older yeah, people older people so it's like the elderly who can't aren't yeah. as mobile but they can do yoga in chairs or using chairs it's really That's cool so cool yeah it is good is that something she made up or I don't think so I think it's part of her yoga course um right. she actually went over to Australia to do a few courses oh, right. um, but yeah she loves loves doing that and trying to include as many people in her community um she she used to be working schools too so I think uh, I got okay. a lot from my mum. <laughs> yeah, right. And what about dad? What does he do other than make um, you cry at wedding speeches? He, he was a policeman for a very long time. Ah. Um, I think he left the police maybe four or five years ago to become a private investigator. Get <laughs> out. Yeah. <laughs> so, Which sounds really glamorous, but the, the way he describes it to us, it's, it's not like what you'd presume. It's not like people snooping around to see if there's people having affairs or things. <laughs> Wait, so private investigators is one of those jobs that you see on the movies, uh, and that is the people who are taking photos yeah. from the car with the long lens <laughs> yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think I've ever known who that... Okay, hang on. Let me rewind. I imagine... It their role is to find out stuff that say the police can't necessarily go and do because they need to follow a pretty strict line of questioning or policy, you know, whatever the things yeah. are. Or they might hit a wall because they're police. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like people don't talk because they're police. Right. So then yeah. Dadsy steps in. Yeah. Wow. And un- yeah. uncovers. And it's, it's hard as well because he can't often talk about what he's doing. <laughs> so it's yeah. like we have you know the slogan in New Zealand for the police's better work stories but dad's like I have limited information I can share uh, <laughs> so currently it sounds pretty boring what he does but it's yeah but fact. it's probably not mm, interesting so what what style of um uh personality or what types of personalities do you get from him um well I think Dad's quite logical in the way he does things. And he actually used to be in the police. Uh, he used to teach how to interview. So he's quite good at re- interacting with people too or trying to get the most out of people as well. So I feel like that's something that I've kind of learned from my dad. Ah. 
Yeah. I wonder what techniques you learn as a police interviewer as compared to say something like I do a media interview because I, yeah, I like to think I get stuff out of people but it's not with a shining light in their face <laughs> yeah. and also it's interesting with dad because he has he was a policeman the whole time I was you know when I was he joined the police when he was 16 so oh, he's wow. been a policeman my, my whole childhood and I also feel like he did a really good job of kind of hiding a lot of stuff as well because um I think I'm quite a conservative like risk averse person potentially because of mum and dad because that's what dad's you know he's always been in an environment where he's seen bad things mm. um so I'm very risk averse and I try and keep safe and <laughs> a little yeah. bit too much and that's people find that frustrating but I think that's <laughs> just because you know that's the way that dad has like perceived the world for a long time um but so in saying that he also did a really good job of kind of hiding that part away as we were kids growing up it was always we always had a lot of fun with mum and dad and things were lighthearted. It wasn't always, you know, he, I was never scared of my dad um, yeah. or anything that he was involved in, even though I, he used to go off and, you know, get held at gunpoint and stuff like that. As a kid, I didn't know that. Yeah, right. As a kid, <laughs> I don't know how important. you'd be able to process that. No, exactly. Yeah, I, I've always, um, I, I actually just spoke to a friend of mine not that long ago um, because they've got a, a, a teenage daughter um, who I guess is sort of, going out to the wide world a little more um, at that kind of age and and he's a policeman and yeah I'm it's quite interesting that the stuff that they know the stuff that I know yeah and I think about Frankie let alone a police officer um, with their kids out in the big bad world it's uh, I imagine it's a very tough balance on what you tell tell your children and what you oh exactly and then maybe one of the reasons that I do love following rules and doing the right thing is because of mum and dad you know subconsciously I just did what I was told just because it's the only the only thing I knew yeah Um, and that might may have been something that was reflecting from what he was you know dealing with as well with his job yeah for sure Mm. excuse me I want to go back you said very early on that you don't want to be just known as a triathlete um yeah. and that that's how you see yourself so you're you're a triathlete you're a, tr- a teacher how else do you see yourself oh gosh that's a very deep question um just to wrap things up <laughs> um i think ultimately what i tell myself is i want to be able to sleep at night knowing that i'm a good person like i am not like i hate confrontation i don't like upsetting people that's one of the worst things like i hate the feeling of someone being upset or angry at something I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just a personal thing for me. It's also a cause of a lot of stress. <laughs> Mate, I'm um, exactly the same. Yeah. It causes me a lot of anxiety. Not that I'm going around doing bad things. No, but exactly. Because <laughs> I actively try not to. So that's when it does. Yeah. Oh, God. And then if someone doesn't text you back yeah. for an hour and you're like, oh, God, what? what? what and you're rereading done? your message. Yeah. I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. So I think ultimately if I can go to sleep at night knowing that I'm a good person and I've try to do the best by as many people as I can um that sometimes negatively impacts me because I'm like a pe- I am a people pleaser mm. um I do like to try and make everyone happy which is hard mm-hmm. um but if I can go to bed knowing that I'm a good person um that ultimately is what I would put at the top of my list of what I am yeah, yeah. I like that yeah it's a little bit wishy-washy but it's it's true genuinely 
It's not at all. It, it's not wishy-washy <laughs> at all. I understand why you say that, but it, I, yeah. I don't think it's wishy-washy at all. Yeah, and like, I feel oh, like I just want to be a good person. Like, and, you know, that kind of, you can get that a lot. Um, I feel from people who aren't necessarily mm-hmm. genuine in that. Um, but that is something that I can hand on heart say that it, ultimately that is the pinnacle of what I want to be is a good, genuine, honest person. Yeah. Above everything else. Yeah. And it's obvious the way that you talk about teaching, I think makes that point extremely obvious. Um, I really like the way that you spoke about triathlon being a selfish pursuit and not in a negative way, but, but it is. Yeah. Um, and that's your way of being able to give back and balance that out. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Thanks. Like is that your dog whimpering in the background? Yes, she she knows that she can't come in here and she's very frustrated about it. Sorry. Uh, oh no, it's um we welcome kids, dogs, sometimes cats, depends on the what kind of cat it is. I can hear it. Yeah, she's not happy. Like, Where's my mom? Um before we start to wrap things up, I do and we completely brush over it, which is my bad, but born in the UK yeah I didn't realize you moved out here so late I thought yeah. out here New Zealand <laughs> to New this Zealand. side of the world <laughs> I thought you were much younger when you moved out no nah, 14 I was year 10 wow so what what was the reason for the move my dad um, was recruited from the Met Police to the New Zealand Police how does one get recruited in the police force <laughs> from one side of the world to the other um, I remember like it seems like oh, it was was a long time ago, but it seems like so long ago. I just remember we were sitting in our conservatory, as you do in the UK. Um, What's a conservatory? Dad, it's like your little, uh, your little out. Uh, it's like a room outside, but it's attached to the house and it's like glass. Oh, okay. Like yeah, a, like a sunroom. Like yes, it's like a okay. sunroom. Yeah. <laughs> we keep things sitting- pretty simple here in Australia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so it's sun comes through the window? Sun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the conservatory. Um, and mum and dad were just saying, oh, you know, how do you feel about moving? And we were like, oh, we've I'd never moved before. Um, in the UK, it's quite uncommon to move a lot. Um, often families, whole families will stay in the same village or town their whole lives. Mm. And we're like, oh, yeah, where, where would we go? <laughs> and dad's like, oh, there's been some opportunities come up through work, um, either Canada or New Zealand. And we're like, oh, yeah, have never been to either of them. <laughs> oh yeah it sounds sounds all right um and then dad just went through the whole recruitment process all the tests and stuff like that um had to sit and it happened really fast like it went from you know 2,000 applicants down to 200 and then finally down to like the 100 or whatever that was happening that they were going to take and they he said all right girls this is really serious like I'm in the, the runnings to be going are you sure are you okay with it and we're like oh yeah did some research on New Zealand at that time it was just like cheap and kiwi fruit and oh it sounds lovely (laughs) it sounds good and he'd said from the start like we'll give it two years and if we don't like it we'll come back um and we got to New Zealand and the first day we were standing on the beach up at Ariwa um north of Auckland and we just said we are never leaving (laughs) wow we are never ever leaving this place (laughs) wow so sorry you your mum and sister yeah mum dad and sister and your sister's older, younger? Younger, few years younger. Right. But at the yeah. age of 14, you know, you've cemented some pretty solid friendships at school and everything. Yeah. How, how did that go? It was really hard. 
um, initially, especially because when we first moved, we didn't have a house. So then we weren't in a zone, which meant we couldn't go to school. <laughs> yeah. Homeschool so the for first few, Yeah, the first few months we didn't have a school um, and we were getting up super early to go down to the local internet cafe and go on MSN and talk to our friends. <laughs> back in the UK but I'm also super lucky because I have so many of those close friends still in the UK so when I do go traveling like they're the ones that come and watch me race my friends from primary school and sport growing up which is super cool um but once we got settled into school a few months later that was much much easier and got into sports clubs running um clubs that's when we kind of got a bigger friend group and it was much much easier from then wow and did your sister responded the same way when, yeah, very similar. Yeah. She was a bit younger. So she was 11, which I feel mm. like is a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, she settled in straight away and it was just off she went. Happy as. <laughs> wow. It's such a big move. Like yeah, you couldn't get further away really. Yeah. Well, that's what like, my husband George says. He's like, oh, I don't know how your family did that. Like that's so brave. Yeah. Um, and it is hard, you know, like with the way the world is now, it's not as easy to go back. Mm. Um, and when we didn't have all my family at the wedding, that was, that was hard. And yeah. we kind of knew that when we moved and mum and dad said, you know, this is going to be the hardest part being so far away because it mm. is a very long time. Mm. <laughs> that trip is a very long way. Yeah. Um, but the opportunities we've had here and the life we have here, it's definitely been worth it. Yeah, yeah for sure. Sounds like yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. A lot of my friends with family back in Europe and the UK particularly, uh, yeah, have struggled. And obviously yeah. everyone across the globe has struggled. Um, yeah. And that yeah. you always feel guilty. Like we, we feel guilty. We're just like, oh my goodness, how lucky are we? Yeah. You it's know, almost like survivor's guilt, place. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 It's like, well, this isn't happening to us. <laughs> mm. yeah. my, my nan got COVID. My nan, um, my dad lost a friend to COVID actually, um, oh, but my nan got taken into hospital on Christmas day. Oh God. Um, and we didn't, we didn't hear anything. It was the most horrible stressful time. She was in and out of hospital for a few weeks, but she survived. Wow. Yeah. She's happy as she watched our wedding video and was like ringing me saying how lovely it was. Oh, I'm so glad you're alive. <laughs> oh goodness. And we, yeah. are you, were you the first grandchild to get married? Uh, no, I, that she has some, um, I have older cousins, yeah. but I, I think I'm the first on my mom's side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, second, wow. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy world. Well, yeah. I don't know if anything, uh, the last year and a half has, has taught us is just to, to give it a crack. And, um, in terms of like your family moving over, if they did it right now, different story. Yeah. But back then, yeah. like you say, worst thing that happens, you don't like it, you move back. Yeah. Um, but it was yeah. brave. Like, yeah, kudos to my mum and dad because that was a big move. And mm. I remember we stood on the, you know, at the airport looking out at the plane that was taking us to New Zealand and my dad was like, oh, my goodness, this is real. <laughs> yeah. We brought our dog over too because he didn't have to quarantine back then. So our dog, he's no longer with us, but um, he yeah. came over and, he lasted till he was like 18. He loved New Zealand. Yeah. Ah, New Zealand agreed with him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, what kind of dog? He was a Staffy slash lab. So yeah, oh, Staffy lab cross and lived way man. longer than we thought. We're like, he was about 10 when we moved over. And we're thinking, oh, you know, he might not last the trip. And then yeah. he lived for like seven, eight years after that. It was amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Dogs the best. They are. <laughs> dogs are the best. Uh, that is, uh, dogs are always a great great spot to, to leave a, a podcast episode in my humble opinion. 100%. <laughs> Mate, 
thank you so much uh, for sharing your story. Uh, I only knew bits and pieces of it, so it's been really nice to get to know you a little bit better. Um, Thank you, Steph. Thanks for having me. Before I do let you go, and obviously people would have gotten a lot out of your story, particularly when it came to um, uh, the the chronic fatigue and, and, and all of those kind of things, but what message would you like to send anyone out there who's listening um, about, about your story? Yeah. Um, you've got to prioritize your health 110%. Um, keep your circle small. So the people you mm. trust, um, the people you see receive information from, make sure it's those people that you know have your back mm. um, that genuinely do because there'll be people that, you know, you think care, but ultimately are they caring about you, the athlete, or are they caring about you, the person? Mm. Um, and don't let anyone tell you that you can't do something I like yeah. it yeah wise words <laughs> this ends our session today children have a good, have a good afternoon <laughs> wait one last question how many times did yeah. you cry at the wedding oh gosh it was all day <laughs> but my dad was worse than me my dad didn't stop crying he said he said is there one single photo of me where I'm not crying like, oh nope. that's so cute oh yeah. I love that oh perfect uh mate sophie gwyn if you're listening to this as a student or in the (laughs) education world or sophie corbidge yes i had to double check though because i went to say cobridge i'm like no that's not right (laughs) thank Uh, you gosh thank you we'll chat again soon hopefully awesome thanks for having me see ya Thanks for tuning in. Please make sure you hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. Leave us a comment. It gives us some feedback, but also helps with our podcast ranking. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness and we'll speak to you in the next episode. 